to the podcast where we bring on remarkable people to tell their stories. I'm Paul Gilman. I'm Daniel Lance. And this is Podso One. This week we've gotten Jerry Kershaw to tell us about her years of gymnastics as a kid and her unexpected pivot into college rowing. We also hear about the importance of education as a theme in her family and her thoughts on her interracial marriage and on race in America generally. We are also joined again by Ed Miller for the episode. So here are Jerry and Ed. And Jerry Kershaw and Ed Miller, uh, welcome to Podso One. Thank you. Thank you. And to, this is going to be the, the and Jerry show, and Ed's coming on as a, as a guest co-host. My sidekick. Yes. Yep. Number two. Beautiful. Love it. So we, we were going to talk about your athletic endeavors, but I think we should start with all the ways your name is pronounced and mispronounced. <laughs> uh, let's see. So when I was younger and I was in gymnastics, they called me Ninja Jerry. Um, yep. Uh, I'm all kinds of stuff already. <laughs> Najiri, Nigeri, um Ninjiri, um, the people just throwing letters in there. It's just there. like yeah. throwing vowels in between the two consonants because mm. they just can't get the consonants. No, there are not a lot of words in the English language that have an N then a J, right? or even like yes, yeah. exactly. So, so yeah, they just they couldn't get it. Somebody suggested that I put a hyphen between the N and the J <laughs> to help people out. So I was like, I'm good. I'll just yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I'll just I know whatever. There's like a Korean thing where people who have difficult to pronounce names just come up with a, a random. American name like, like Bob Sam yeah yeah, yeah. have the, did you ever think about doing that so um <laughs> <laughs> no but people just so my rowing coach very first day of rowing we're all standing out there at like five something in the morning and he's going through the roster and he gets to my name and he goes yeah no <laughs> NJ so that's so now all of my teammates know me as NJ. All my coaches, anyone who's met me through rowing, knows me as NJ. It just it doesn't matter. Do you like it? I, it's grown on me. That's good. So, does anybody does call you know? Jerry? My family, and Paul. Yes, I love the end <laughs> nice. part there. I actually called her a Jerry earlier today. She's like, "What, what was that?" <laughs> I was like, "That's weird." And Hold up. I feel like I'm being left out now. Oh, Ed, Ed called I've me I've never Jerry. called you Jerry. No, you haven't called me Jerry. Yeah. You can call me, join, join Paul. I want to yeah. be a part of the family. Yeah, come yeah, on. Yeah, join Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hang well, on. I, I don't think she's giving me access. To, yeah, like, was, I'm not family. It was the family. I'm just a random I mean, dude that says it. <laughs> and so I'm part of the family of Jerry. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah, okay. Good. Yeah, good yeah, company. Yeah. 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 It's perfect. So, say your name for us. In Jerry. Did Daniel say it correctly when he introed? I think so. Yeah, he was, he was close enough, I guess. Yeah, I studied linguistics, so I hope so. Um, tell us about... Rowing. Let's talk about it. So um, rowing is at UMass was like mostly walk-ons and they position themselves very well. So at UMass on one side is the dorms and then on the complete opposite side of campus is the place where you buy all your books. So I walked all the way over, bought all my books, which were really heavy. And as I'm walking back in the middle is this table for women's rowing. And I was like, huh. I did gymnastics in all through um, elementary school, high school. And I was like, I mean, we'll see. So I really You had, you had no exposure prior to college. I did not know what rowing was. Wow, I had zero okay. exposure. So, but they had a table. 
<laughs> that I could put all of the heavy freshman gen ed books on while I pretended to care what they had to say. So, so I put the books down. And then as they're talking, I'm like, that seems kind of cool. Like everything's done. All of my workouts are done by 8 a.m. I could do that most likely. So I was like, I'll check it out and see. I feel bad now that I used you as like a stopping point and I didn't really care. Um, so I went and then um, I also can't swim. Um, still can't <laughs> did you, At really what point swim. did you realize rowing was in water? Uh, the first meeting, <laughs> I realized rowing was on the water and you don't row with a life jacket on. So um, you just row. Uh, so my coach called me a shallow water swimmer because every year you have to go through like a tread water test. And he was like, just stand in the shallow end. <laughs> he was like, perfect. You, you pass the test. You're oh, just the shallow water swimmer. That doesn't sound like it should be allowed. It seems unsafe. <laughs> <laughs> well, the oar is also a flotation device. And so uh. everyone in my boat also knew that I can't swim. So they, I was the first one to be saved if we ever tipped, which we never did, but. Mm, never yeah. tipped. Never tipped. Close a few times, but we never tipped. The, I mean, the boat's constructed in a way where it shouldn't tip often, but it, it can happen. It can happen, and especially the smaller you get. So if you're in like a single or a double pair, it can tip. Easy. Did you do singles, pairs, quads? I did not do singles. I did pairs, and I did quad, and I did uh, eight. By the way, I said quad. I was guessing. That's what it was called. <laughs> and were you ever... Uh... Uh, one of those people in the front of the boat that turns around and yells at everybody else? No, no. I was the people they yelled at. I just, all I had to do was focus on rowing as hard and as fast as I could. I couldn't think of like motivational things to say in the moment. Mm. Um, in fours, so for rowing, there's sweep rowing, which you have one oar, and then skull, which you have two oars. Um, so in skull, there's not somebody who yells, the coxswain, there's not somebody who yells. So the person in the two seat has to be the one to yell. Mm. And the person in the um, four seat, which is the front of the boat, has to steer with their foot. It's really weird. You steer from the front? You steer from the front. And then the person in the bow has to turn or keep turning around and looking to make sure we're not actually going to hit anything. And they'll yell out to the person in the front to like steer whichever way it goes. Man, so all of my boating intuition tells me that you should steer from the back. <laughs> you Where most should. boats are steered. Right. Yeah. Right. But rowing is different because you have um, the bow and the stern. The bow and the stern are opposite, I think. Mm-hmm. The, um, the bow is in the front. Yeah, no. And rowing, the bow is in the back. What? <laughs> <laughs> are you coming from this place of like sailboat snobbery or something? No, canoeing. Oh, canoeing. Got yeah. it. Yeah, no, and rowing the bows in the back and the okay. stern's in the front. Okay, cool. That's, it sounds like you're just rowing backwards. You are, because you're facing... That's, that's what it is. Yeah, you're facing forwards, basically, but you're oops, you're going like this the way. The finish line is behind you. Finish yeah. line is behind you. Right. So, yeah. So, in like fours, you have to keep, especially in skull, you have to look keep... Somebody keeps looking back. I was always in the three seat, so I had to do nothing but row. <laughs> nice. Why were you always in the three seat? Because I had to do nothing but row. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, you were probably the newest to the. Uh, I was new, sport. but as we as you get as you go through, like they don't put the newest people in the skull because it's easier to like catch a catch your oar under the water and get caught. Um, so as you move forward, like um, years going forward, rowing, 
you get put into different boats. So um, I got put in the skull, but uh, my coach put me in the three seat because I, I was the engine and I would just Ooh, keep it going. That's an important so, role. Yeah. So the two seat in the skull would yell and then the four would steer. He tried me in the four seat to steer one time and it didn't work out. Because I like what happened. Because you have to keep so the steering mechanism in the in the um, sculling boat is on your foot, so you have to keep your foot straight until you need to steer. And I like would forget, so I'd like just let it kind of go to the side a little. So we just constantly just slowly go one way. Is this a walking like, and chewing bubble gum kind of yeah, challenge? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not good at that. So just I just focus. so we just never focus. did it. I yeah, just yeah. had to focus. Yeah on rowing and that was it so you're glad you joined the team i'm actually really glad i joined the team and you did it all four years all four years wow yeah. and the uh, the early morning workouts so i mean sounds brutal yeah that would be a deal break it would probably be a deal breaker for me especially college me like yeah. what kept you going my teammates i they i had so much fun with them um and we were all kind of in it together, right? Like we started out as novice rowers, so none of us really knew what we were doing. And then as we moved through like year after year, we kind of, ha you have this like camaraderie. And um, for our school, we we had never lost our conference championship. So we never wanted to be that year that lost it. Mm. So it's a, just like a you like ride with your teammates, like you do whatever yeah. with your teammates. And so I just never thought in my head, like, I don't want to do it anymore because I was like, I'm letting 30 awesome women down. So I'm like, there was never a thought that I didn't want to do it anymore. So you guys were pretty good. We were pretty good. Yeah. Who was yeah. in your conference? We were in the, let's see, George Washington, uh, Temple. So no, no slouches. I mean, no, Boston yeah. College. Yeah. 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 Nice. Which I do not like Boston College to this day. Well, let's talk about that. Why not? Why not? <laughs> did they ever do to you? Right. <laughs> Probably nothing. No, they did. Um, so we obviously we like dominated every year, and so they uh, filed a protest saying that we cut them. Off. We didn't cut them off. Was the protest that you guys were too good? I, I think so. Like overall, the protest was that we were too good. Um, but they said that we cut them off. We didn't cut them off. So they filed a protest. Um, and my coach had to appeal, like all this stuff. So ever since then, I just have no need for anyone from Boston College. And okay. then it was reiterated in, in grad school because I was in the stands super cold and rainy and wet when Matt Ryan threw those two touchdowns against Tech and beat mm. us. In, like, in, in Blacksburg. <gasps> yeah, in Blacksburg. And like the final six minutes. Or, so never. So your least favorite college in America is Boston College. Is Boston College. So you like them less than UVA. Ooh. Yes. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yes. That's strong. Very strong. strong. It's a strong dislike for Boston College. Outstanding. So you're also a gymnast, which I, you and I were talking earlier today. I, I'd forgotten you were a gymnast because it just sounds really hard and, and like, tell us kind of the things you were doing in gymnastics because the balance beam and like, I don't even know the names of the things. My wife is a gymnast too from, <laughs> from high school. I should know more about this. Yeah, so um, there's four apparatus. There's the vault, bars, beam, and floor. Um, I really liked the vault, and my favorite was the vault because I'm a nervous person in life, and the vault, I didn't have to think 
Like it's over in like five seconds. You run down, you hit the springboard, you do your move, and then you land and it's done. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to like get all crazy in my head. So like a whole um, routine that you had yeah, to keep track of. That yeah. I had to remember and like and you practice enough that you remember it's like muscle memory, but I really like the vault. Um When the, you say you say you you do it and you land, like I flipped <laughs> and landed in water. But there's no way I would ever try to flip and land on my feet. I would break a lot of things. So would you tell us the most difficult vault you ever did? Um, so it was a hand. So you go on the vault, you jump on the springboard facing the vault, and then you go up on your hand. So you're doing like a handstand on the vault, and then you do a front flip off. So that was the most difficult. Is it a, is it a one and a half flips because you're starting on your hands? Yeah, I guess so. Yep, one and a half. So you flip up and then you flip again and then you land and on your feet. It's a blind landing, yeah. Oh, and you're wow. essentially doing two flips, right? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds ridiculous. I never yeah. thought of it like that. Yeah. yeah. That's that's wild. How'd you get into gymnastics? Um, I had a lot of energy as a child. <laughs> and so my parents tried to find anything for me. Um, they tried soccer. Um there's too much like downtime, even though like I would love, I would have loved to be a professional soccer player, but there was just too much time for me to wander off the field or be a flower picker. Right. Yeah. Do something. Meaning during games, you were allowed as a small child to pick flowers. Yeah. Or practice. Like I just didn't really feel like it grabbed my attention. Mm. <laughs> so then we tried softball. Um, and I like softball, but there's also a lot of downtime oh, yeah. in softball. It's a very slow game. It's a very slow game. So then they tried to put me in the infield in softball. And then I saw a girl break her nose. And I was like, oh, we're done. I don't want to do softball mm. anymore. Um, so then I chose gymnastics, which you can break a whole lot more than just a nose. Um, so I got into gymnastics and then I really liked it. So I just kept with it. Um, it's really, it's, I like gymnastics because it's you. Like you have a team. But it's you and like you have a sense of accomplishment that like you did something like you did this move. You've fallen like 18 times on this one move and then you finally do it and you're like, yay. And then you fall another 18 times and then you do it again and you're like, yay. So um, I, I just I like the the challenging the mental challenging aspect of gymnastics it sounds like there's it's like a personal accountability thing which is kind of a cool contrast to rowing being like this really intense team sport rowing is like ultimate team sport like if you don't if you don't pull hard on one stroke like you can tell because the boat will shift one way Mm. or the other you all have to be pulling equally as hard which is also why the coxswain's there to steer but like you can't give up on a stroke because you're next to boats and you're going fast and you've got to get through them and it's just your power right mm-hmm. like it's nothing else it's not a motor or anything behind you it's just you and up to eight up to seven people that you are pulling to get through on the finish line so so it sounds like they're just rewarding differently yes yeah yeah but it also taught me i like and i think like every girl every person should really be in sports it teaches you how to lose it also teaches you like that the next person is as important as you are to like be successful. Um, I just, I love sports, no participation trophy sports, like sports. Well, your, your, your kids, when they start playing sports, it's going to be participation trophy time. I, I know. I don't think they're going to get it though. I'll just my, say my kids live through that. I'll just say, I'll take it for them. And then they'll just never get mm. it. 
That's a hot take. Mm. No participation trophies. <laughs> wow. I feel like that's countercultural right now. It is. It, 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 is, it, puts, but it, it puts her in the minority for sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm in on that topic. Sure. <laughs> that was great. Um, no, but I just don't think like we don't need to know that we did okay enough to get something. Mm. Like you need to know that you look. You didn't do well. Like the other, or you did well in the moment, but the other people or other team did better in this moment so what are you going to do so it doesn't happen again mm-hmm. not like oh well, i got this trophy so i don't really need to i've care. seen kids get trophies who showed up for one third of the practices half the games and still got a trophy right and why are we rewarding that that's like, crazy it's, yeah. not, it's not real world at all no yeah. right yeah once no. you get out into the real world away from your parents it's not the world doesn't work that way no and that's not how that's not how like that's not how sports should work like sports should work to kind of gave you this like mental toughness Mm -hmm. it's not just the physical ability it's the mental toughness that like any sport i'm not saying like gymnastics or rowing or even like the top sports and but like anything is like a mental toughness that you need to survive like and and how you get feedback right like a lot of like sports gives you that feedback because like a coach is yelling at you like you did this wrong Mm -hmm. do it better and you have that feedback so the ability to accept and receive feedback is key i think in what sports teaches you yeah that's that's really wise i think that there's like a short-term unpleasantness to losing to being given harsh feedback uh and i think that parents like really want to protect their kids from anything unpleasant yeah so that their kids can be like happy all the time but i think your point is great because this actually gives them more strength in the long run and more ability to be self-aware and improve themselves right Right, and be able to take it from like different people, right? Because your coach may or may not look like you or come from the same background as you, but that's not what you're gonna. You're not gonna get the same people in work or even in school. So that it teaches you to be able to take feedback from all kinds of people, mm. and also to be able to interact with all different kinds of people um, who have different backgrounds, different everything you know my son is going to a karate camp and nice. he loves it because now he thinks he's fluent in korean <laughs> just because of the moves. How, wait a minute. Wait a second. How, how does that show how does that show up give us an example of how that shows so up. he's like mama i can count to 10 in korean i'm like okay and he just says one and he's like see and i was like there's more numbers than just one <laughs> so let's keep going but he'll he'll um but he will correct me because I'll say his uniform, it's a dobak, but I'll say it wrong. And he's like, that's not how you say it, mama. And I'm like, I'm mm. So he I'm corrects sorry. you when the name is wrong. He connect. He corrects me when the okay. name is wrong. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, but he loves karate. He likes to show off his moves and um, is very excited about it. But that teaches him discipline too. So mm-hmm. it's all about discipline and and just getting out there. Yeah. He, he also has a younger sister that throat kicks him. Also true. <laughs> so, backwards. so he's, he's got to defend himself. That's yeah. Also true. Doesn't sound like she needs karate camp. She is wild. She is. I think she's me when I was little. Um, if what my mom is telling me is true, she's she's me. Mm. So she um, is kind of no holds barred. Uh, if you get in her space, she'll ask nicely, and then she will move you out of her space. So which is why she 
kicked my son in the throat. Mm. <laughs> and she also hit him. She's bitten him before because he wanted a hug and she said no. And then he tried again and she bit him. So like, what, what do you do in that type of scenario? I told him that she said no and you should have listened. And he was like, you're not going to get mad at her? No, man. Like, she's got to learn this when she gets older. Like, she yeah. also bit someone in daycare, too. Uh, only once. But it was because apparently he had backed, the kid had backed her into a corner and, like, wouldn't let her out. Yeah, good so for her. So she bit him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to discipline that. So I haven't disciplined her on a lot of the things that she's done. <laughs> but because, like, I want her, I, like, want her to know that she can, she can stand up for herself and yeah. it's okay. Like, I'll I'll take the heat if like a school calls or something and says that she's hit someone because they're in her space. Like, I, good, fine. Mm. Well, I'll deal with that. But I'd rather her know that she's strong and powerful now, and and not put her into a cage or put her into a box that this is how she's supposed to be. I think she already knows that. The she's you brought your kids <laughs> to work. I don't know a few months ago yeah. and. They're like three or four adults, and then your two kids, and she took over the room. She did. I'm like, how old is she again? She did. She wasn't even two. I don't no, know. she wasn't even two. And she like tried to play with a light socket, and I told her no, and she said, bye, mama, and closed the door. So she could then <laughs> continue to play, and I was just not in the room anymore. So yeah. How old is she I'm now? About. She's uh, a little over two. Okay, I thought we were talking about like a seven-year-old. No, this is oh, the younger no. sister. Oh, Yeah, no. Wow. She sounds like the older sister. I mean, from from the behavior, it sounds like your yes. son is the younger, Mm-mm. gentler. Nope. Okay. She may be an older soul, but that she's could be. younger biologically. Yeah. She's she's pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go back to rowing real quickly. I'm sure. very curious. Did you do skull the two oars or more of the one oar? Um, kind of both. Um, so, so in the fall for rowing, it's a five k. 5,000 meters. And in the spring, it's a sprint. It's a 2K. Um, I say sprint, but I don't think that's really a sprint. It doesn't feel like a sprint. <laughs> no. I don't know. Yeah. But in our minds, it's a sprint because you're doing a 5K. It's all relative. Right. It's all relative. So in the fall, you do more small boats. Um, so in the fall, I did a uh, pair with a girl. Um, and you do some eights too. But in the spring, it's more like eights and fours and sometimes quads. But... Um, so kind, kind of both. Um, I like the pair because it holds you like super accountable. Like, you know exactly what you're doing versus the other person. And you know, when somebody takes off, so you can never take off a stroke. So I really like that. Um, I don't like fall rowing though. 5k, it was just like too much to be like, cause it's not really, you're not like taking some time off in the middle of the 5k. Like it's still a full out, full in but mm. um the 2k is a lot more fun so, and the boats are close to each other in the 2k got it so one of the reasons i asked the question is i uh when i was in college one of the guys rode on my in my dorm and i noticed him one day uh wearing a, a t-shirt i'm like is your right arm significantly bigger mm-hmm. than your left uh-huh. arm he's, he's like yeah and i said is that because you rode just with yeah. the right oar he's like yeah that's that's yeah. exactly right did you have that phenomenon yeah which which arm was bigger? Uh, my left arm. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, because you like, so when you row, you kind of go around the 
you make like a C shape basically with your body. So you just kind of tilt naturally. So sometimes I'd be sitting and I just like <laughs> tilt naturally. And sometimes my head will tilt to the side. And so it's just like a natural thing. But yeah. So one side will be bigger. Yeah. And like your lats will be bigger on one side. And then did you always stay with that side when you're doing one or? So yeah, with, well, sometimes my coach would sometimes switch it up, but it's like, if you've been on that side for a while, it's you weird, can do, right? yeah, you can do skull. That's fine. But like switching sides, it's like, I couldn't like figure out how to. Like... It's like crossing your arms. I normally cross like this and doing it the other way. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's just like, yeah. you don't like, I was like, it was just weird. So, but yeah, so I was usually port. I was a port side rower. Port. It's good times. That, did that have anything to do with you being left-handed? He never knew. Well, I think maybe he knew I was left-handed. He didn't even but want to like, say her name. <laughs> That's true, too. He also said, I like you, NJ. You answer to anything. And I was like, I don't know if that's a compliment <laughs> or what. Of the backhanded persuasion. Yes, yeah. yes. He also would say, um, he also would sing Short People by Randy Newman to me all the time. Because, you know, rowers are usually tall. And there's a contingent that we were not as tall, but. You weren't um, the only short. I wasn't short. the only, but he would sing it to all of us. He was, he, equal opportunity singing of randy newman short people (laughs) to me but he was a great he was a great coach he would he was great very cool what's your high score in uh, any gymnastics event probably like well now i don't know because they like change the scoring all around it's up to like like, 16 or something super confusing but um when i was going it was just the normal 10 and i think like a 9.4 it's pretty good yeah it was pretty good um what event floor yeah i'm really i was really bad um i like as i'm doing the skills i wouldn't breathe so i would do like a whole pass and just not breathe and then when i'd land i go and then i go again and i'd hold my breath again and then i'd go same on beam i would do a whole pass and then i'd breathe and then i'd do a whole pass and breathe it's not efficient. It's maybe not the way to go. No. It's like back I to the chewing bubblegum and walking at the same time. Yes. Yes. That's true. <laughs> so out of, compl- out of curiosity, how complex were the routines you did on beam? Because it's what, like four inches wide? Yeah, That's it's crazy. Four, inches, four inches wide. Um, kind of complex, I guess. Now, like thinking about it, I'm like, I could maybe do that. I don't think I could do that now. <laughs> um, but... I do like jumps on there and some flips um, and like flip off of the beam. Um, but there's definitely like scars on my legs from when I just like missed the beam and like have landed on the beam. And You've done flips when you start on the beam and you land on the beam. Yes. That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I would, I would never even try it. There's no way I can do that now. <laughs> Don't ask. Forwards <laughs> and backwards? Backwards. Forwards always made me nervous on the beam. They're harder, right? Because you can't see the landing. It's blind landing, yeah. yeah. Oh. If if your head's back, you can see where you're going. Right. You can spot the beam as you go back. You can spot it when you land. But forwards, you have to be really aware of your body Mm. and like trust that you've jumped enough (laughs) to get rotate over. But you kind of have to feel like when you're in a certain way, you kind of let your legs out and just like brace for impact, basically. So you hope wow. that it's like... I'm very confident, even when I was in really good shape as a 22-year-old, I probably couldn't have just jumped up 
and landed on the beach <laughs> without hurting myself. Like a little ballerina kind of just just literally out. just no no don't not kick them out. Keep the feet where they are. Just jump and see if I can land on the beam and stay there. Yeah, no, it was good. And you you like work up to being on the beam off the floor. So um, you have like mats piled up underneath of it. So when you fall, you just fall like an inch off the beam. Like you and then right, you right. bring them down and then, but invariably you like you work your way up it. to the real. Thing. Yeah, and yeah. then you just. No, you're going to fall. Doing it in practice is like, I imagine, completely different than having all these people looking at you and the judges and all that. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, that's probably why I didn't breathe. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> so did but, you breathe in practice then? Uh, you know what? No, I don't think I ever breathed because I would always get off the beam. My coach is like, why are you breathing so heavy? <laughs> you're purple right <laughs> like, now. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I don't. She's like, you need to breathe. This is like you run in the 400 meter and then you breathe every 100 meters. Yes. That's kind of what you're Basically talking about. Basically yeah. is what I would do. Yeah. Sounds hard. It's, it, I think I made it a lot harder than it ever needed to be because I just didn't breathe. I breathed mm. on, on vault, but I just, huh. probably because it's over so quickly. So I just... Like so while flipping on no, the not flipping. Breathe? I'm okay. breathing while I was running down. Okay, okay. Um, how long did you do gymnastics for? Um, I started in elementary school, so maybe like third grade up to when I graduated high school. Oh, all the way through high school. Mm-hmm. Wow. And there was a high school team, or was it not? There was a high school, school team and a private team, so I did both. Oh wow! I was on the high school team and the club. Was team. it big where you grew up? Gymnastics. Uh yeah. Um, in New Jersey, it was pretty big, but in, um, so I like part-time in Ohio, I grew up in Ohio and then we moved to New Jersey. Um, and so it was kind of, it wasn't really too big in Ohio, but in New Jersey, it was really big. That sounds right. Did you ever think about doing it in college? I did think about doing it in college. Um, and I actually applied to, I only applied to three schools, uh, and to, from undergrad to, or from high school to undergrad. Um, and one of the schools I was going to do gymnastics in, and then I decided I didn't really want to do gymnastics. I actually decided I wasn't going to do sports at all in college. So that worked out real well. (laughs) Um, and, um, I picked of the three schools, um, they all actually had gymnastics. So that's starting why I picked them. And then um, their programs are really good. So then I went to them for their programs. And then I rode. Nice. Yeah. You could have walked on probably and like flexed on all of them and then been like, nah. <laughs> I'm out, guys. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to show you guys. Still got it. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think at that point I probably didn't still have it. I may have. Right after high school? I bet you did. I probably did. Did you just lose interest in it? Yeah, I kind of lost interest in it. And I didn't like how subjective it was. So, like, if you, like, I, I kind of lost my, like, funness for it because they would, my coach would be like, oh, this, this, co- this judge, you really have to watch this because that's what she focuses on. So, like, it wasn't about, like, the ability. It was about, like, what she liked or what she didn't yeah. like. And I just kind of didn't like that. So, for, like, two years after high school i didn't watch gymnastics on tv oh wow yeah it was just like i just don't because i just hated how like oh look her her big toe wasn't pointed so she's probably gonna lose two tenths and i'm like why she just did like a triple flip like shouldn't we be like that's amazing like who cares and so but now i'm i'm 
I like it again. And um, I love Simone Biles, who was like, doesn't care. She's a beast. She's Mm. the best gymnast to ever live. She is a beast. And Mm. to like take time off and be like, oh, I'm just thinking about doing this. And she does this like amazing thing. And and they just, they don't give her her right, her proper due. Mm Because, you know, she has two moves named after her, but they don't want to give her the right difficulty for it because they don't want other people to do it because it's super difficult. So they have shortchanged her on the difficulty. So there's no point in her even doing her own skills because they they were afraid that somebody could seriously injure themselves trying to do it to get the higher difficulty. Because in gymnastics, even if you don't land it, you still get the difficulty for doing it. So they're like, people will just attempt it and they shouldn't attempt it. So she can't get it. Um, that's wild. And yeah, and that's not fair. Like, yeah. she worked hard. Other people can... If she's, she's a level above. If she's, she's, yeah. she's won, what, five or six world championships in a row yeah, I mean, now? She just, I mean, it's like, crazy. She if she can do tricks that nobody else can do without massive risk of injury, she should just win every time. I mean... She does. Because she's the best. I do, I do want to call out the fact that you just called the moves tricks. But yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad Ed did that because usually I'm the guy who does that. Oh, no. <laughs> I feel like I just committed a gaffe there, didn't I? <laughs> Yeah, not not tricks. Um, there's tricks are for kids. Yes, there's a lot of. I'm sure there's a lot of falling that goes with the amazing routines that we see her do. The amount of work that she puts in, I'm sure, is just astronomical. I think mm. she has a gym next to her house, so basically she just walks over and does her gymnastics wow. and walks back home. Yeah, her her descent is from my two favorite countries. She's from she's I think American on one side and Belizean on the other. Yeah, she's just like an ama- like an incredible athlete and person. Yeah, she's a great person. She like yeah. speaks out and she's like, look, yeah. She's like, I don't know. Somebody asked her how many medals she's won and she's like, I don't know. You just have to Google me. Like not like being cocky, just like <laughs> I have no idea. Right. I've won so many. Like you would have to Google that. Like, What's the I difference between 62 and 63? Right. Yeah. Like, like I just have won so many. Like that's just me. And I think she's just awesome and speaks out and speaks out about USGA, US gymnastics. Like, you know, they don't have a great track record for a long time. And she speaks out about that, which is great. And they'll, they like, I think they wished her a happy birthday. And she was like, do better with women. And instead, <laughs> like, instead of. Well, I mean, yeah, the rightly US so. gymnastics have, hit, they've allowed some really bad things to go on for too long. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that recent um, documentary on Netflix. Is it Person One, Patient One? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it kind of was, I've always kind of seen gymnastics as like this super happy and wholesome kind of thing that you watch in the Olympics. And that painted a much different and bleaker picture of what goes on behind the scenes. Um, not only the scandals, but also, you know, what, what young uh, people are put through, yeah. their bodies are put through uh, yeah. to become that good. Yeah, like 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 wrap your ankle 16 times in tape so you can do this one move and get here and you know ruin your joints for life and Yeah. Did you go through any of that? No. Um for me it's my back. So my back was um the I mean it still hurts today when I like don't have good form on things like it'll hurt um and it hurt rowing um sometimes. So yeah, you just kind of push through, um, which is like the one negative I would say about sports that, that teaches you to be like, it's okay, it doesn't hurt that bad, um, it's not broken. Um, 
So. Yeah, where do you draw the line? Though? Yeah, right? yeah, right. If you, if you didn't feel perfect, you would you wouldn't accomplish anything. I don't right. think. So you've got to fight through some level of pain. Where's that line, though? Right. I think it's individual answer for each. Yeah, person. it's an individual mm. answer. But gymnastics did teach me that I needed glasses. I did a release move on the bar, and I missed the bar completely and wow. landed. And my coach was like, "You didn't? Why didn't you reach for the bar? Did you not see it?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> he was like, "You need glasses." He's like, you can't, you can't do this again. That sounds like it'd be scary to feel like you're about to reach for it and then whiff. I just didn't reach at all. Like I let go, like I was supposed to, and just like I don't know. I just never. Re- my coach is like, what in the world? <laughs> like, How did you land? On my feet, thankfully. Oh wow! But um, yeah, I just, I don't know. He was like, why did you let go? I'm like, I don't know. I just I was supposed to. So just, is this the one where there are two different bars of different heights? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The men's. Men's high bar scares me. I can't watch it ever. Like, I can never. It just gives me too much anxiety. There is, like. Like Cirque du Soleil. Oh, my gosh. And they, like, flip all over. And you just. I, like. I can't watch it. Well, they have parallel bars and the single high bar, right? The single high bar is the one that I I cannot. I cannot watch. They do some crazy stuff for it. Oh, and then it's always tense if they catch the bar or not. And then if they don't, they're, like, all of that momentum, like, throwing them to the ground. Mm. I think we'd miss. I, I think I have to mention that Ed and and Jerry are the, our first return guests. You were with Kiari. Yep. And I, I, we put you in the B chair. I still regret that a little bit. Uh, and then Ed was episode twelve ish, I think. And now they're back. And this podcast, I think, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, led to Jerry's interest in marijuana justice, and you've connected with Chelsea through Ed. And I think you're on the precipice of. Participating, yeah, in uh, that nonprofit, which yeah. is pretty cool. She yeah. is, yeah. We have weekly meetings, and Jerry's involved. Yeah, it's been great. I love it. Yeah, it's great. The, the I, podcast has served as a. I, I feel like point. Daniel and I are matchmakers <laughs> for justice. For justice, for justice. <laughs> so yeah, we'll, while, while we're on the topic, what, give us an update on marijuana justice. How's it going? Things are going well. Um, we are uh, getting ready for a special general assembly session on policing. And so, yeah, just building some momentum around that. We'll have some campaigns around t-shirts and um, just getting the word out. Uh, the connection that we have there, uh, just with everything going on and, and, the, and the spotlight put on police brutality, I mean, that's one of the big things that we're about is just um, having the equitable legalization because it, it, we do have these marginalized groups, black and brown people that are being policed more heavily for things like marijuana possession so that's our that's our connection to that so just excited about this coming month it's decriminalized now in the state of virginia and quote quote unquote well right, yeah is, sure yeah, no, it's, I get yeah it. it's, it's in the right place the, yeah. the 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 law is getting to a better place yes. but enforcement is a is a different question absolutely yeah. yeah still some penalties in there so one thing we'll be pushing for is true decriminalization so that there won't be fines and penalties attached to marijuana possession hmm it's 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 a it's a smart strategy it sounds like to um kind of uh use all this energy about uh, around police brutality that's happened in the past couple months um and i know that's a big part of of what you guys are doing but but also to kind of i guess like piggyback on some of that energy and say hey like let's let's also look at uh, marijuana justice which it is and has been a problem for decades yeah yeah and jerry question for you uh, what what made marijuana justice sound 
any sort of interesting to where you wanted to connect with? So um, background schooling is I got my undergrad in sociology, uh, master's in sociology, and just the disparities that have, like, so legalizing marijuana, great for the, you know, state economy, but then when you, like, break it down, you know, in California, there's all these rules and regulations and laws and, and um, like, money to be spent to actually do, and there's only a certain number, certain amount, and it costs so much to actually do it, and there's all these regulations that they keep out the people who they also put behind bars for something they now say is okay. And they just forget about the people that they put behind bars. Mm. Once they say it's okay, it's just they're forgotten about. And I don't think that's right. Um, So it appealed to me from the sociology aspect, but also from like an education aspect of like trying to get people more education on not just not just how to sell marijuana legally or that it's how to understand what role marijuana played in the further disparities between um, blacks and whites. Like it, it, it was a tool. It was just yet another tool to keep um, blacks from achieving what, what, you know, the majority, I'll say majority, the majority um feel like is theirs and 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 I really liked marijuana justice because they want to legalize but also they want to legalize it in the right way like they don't want they don't want to push for legalization just to make it legal like they want to have a good plan in place to make sure that when it's legal it's legal correctly and it helps people mostly people of color helps them get to a place where they should be all along and getting those people out of jail who are in jail for stuff that we now don't think is a big deal. And so why are they still there if it's not a big deal anymore? Yeah. Yeah. It's absurd to think like in Colorado, people can go into dispensaries and, and like basically smoke pot in public. And then in other States, people are getting put in jail for years or have been, uh, it's kind of just an absurd picture of, of our country when there's that radical difference. Yeah, and like not even put in jail. The people are put in jail for years if their significant other sold marijuana, right? Like it's not even, it's not just because they're associated. So then they can say, oh, they knew about it. So if you know about it, then you can go behind bars as well. So like you you lived in the house, yeah. Right. That really? People get charged for just just, uh, like knowing about it? Yeah. Yeah. For years, so yeah. so I was in a fraternity in college, and my dad, uh, he's a retired lawyer, and he said, if your knucklehead fraternity brothers have illegal substances and the cops raid your place, all of you could be in trouble. Yeah, and that's the way the law was written in Virginia, and I think a lot of other states, the law is written that way. Yikes! Yeah, that's that sounds like a great way for a lot of innocent people to get set up for, because you don't know if your roommate's got, I don't know, sometimes you're not going to know all the time. Um, if your roommate's got drugs and then you get screwed for it. That's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't like that. Yeah, and then it's your word against somebody else's at that point. Right. right. Yeah. Like you didn't know, but you, how do you not know? Your significant other is selling. How do you not know? Where do you think the money came from? And all yeah. of that. And then, you know, they get locked up for sometimes the same time or potentially more time than the person who was selling 
because they knew and they, you know they put through all these laws that disproportionately affect black and brown people to depress the area and then say yep. we're going to revitalize the area really gentrify the area mm. and get you out so we can make it better again and and spruce it up spruce the city up and um then you displace a whole bunch of people and what are they supposed to do mm. so um tying all of that back yeah. to i really like that <laughs> i really like what marijuana justice is doing because they're looking at all of that and so often that's missed mm-hmm. um even with like education, like so often that is missed that like even what we're doing now, like the virtual learning that, that just creates such a a gap, such a gap because people who have to work and have to work and can't afford the, the childcare needed. So my County is saying that if you're K through three, you, if you want to do virtual, you have to have an adult learner who has to sign on with the kid who has to sit there and have different assignments that they have to sign on to. But like, that's mandatory. Who can do that and work? And if you are a single parent, or even if you are a two income household and who's going to be able to sit there and do that? Um, the people who can uh, either have someone who can sit there with them or is able to hire someone in and the children are going to suffer for this disparity and, um, that frustrates me. Yeah. yeah so, um, I think, uh, I do want to talk about education more, uh, but the, I wanted to say one more thing about marijuana justice that I really liked when Ed and I talked about it. It's kind of what you said already, but the, the, the going back and, and kind of correcting the record is a really, it's kind of like a tough job and it's unpleasant and people don't really want to do it. It's like, they want to fix it. Let's legalize it and then say, all right, we're great. But then, going back and sifting through and doing the diligence on who are all the people that have gotten screwed over by this, uh, this legislation and how can we expunge their records and, and fix it? I think that's like, you know, that's, that's God's work and that's really important uh, and it's easily neglected. So I'm glad that that's very explicitly included in marijuana justice's mission. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Back backwards looking in forwards looking to in Jerry's point. So getting those records expunged, but but also as we're setting up legislation and having entry into the the, the selling world or the distribution world. Uh, right now it's just set up for larger corporations to, to profit off of it. And so it's like, no, we, we gotta do better when we set up our when we set up our laws around that so that we can have equitable entry into that as well. Yeah, it seems very reasonable. By the way, I wasn't rudely looking at my phone. I was trying to figure out exactly what episode number Ed's was, so people can go check it out. <laughs> it is in fact episode twelve. Look at that. Appreciate it. Right on. Okay, so uh, let's talk about education. Your parents are both first-generation success stories in that sense. Tell us about your parents. Yeah, so um, my mom and dad, my mom is from Brooklyn, my dad is from Manhattan. Um, Yes, they always fought about the boroughs, which one was the better borough. My dad's in Manhattan because you have to get go through Manhattan to get to any of the other boroughs in New York City, so that clearly makes it the best Mm. because you can't Mm. get to a borough without going through Manhattan, which is what he said. What was your mom's argument? Ah, uh, that Brooklyn's better. <laughs> she really didn't have an argument. <laughs> okay. I mean, ba- back in, back in the day, she didn't have an argument. And you can't think. really argue that, right? Like he's like, if Manhattan shut down, how would we get to Brooklyn? You're like, Ooh. just stay in, <laughs> stay in Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so which one is better? Oh man, 
Now they're going to listen say, to this, right? Yes. Okay. Well, now I'm going to say Brooklyn. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but uh, so they both they met at uh, SUNY Cortland, so they were both able to go um, to SUNY Cortland. Um, what, what does SUNY stand for for our 42 listeners? State University of New York. Right. And so it's in Cortland. Um, and at that time it was free. I don't, it might still be free if you, wow. live, but it was free. Like you could, you, all you had to do was get in, but it was free to like go, residents. Way to go New York. Yeah. 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 Um, so they went to SUNY Cortland. My mom was the only girl. She had two brothers, one older, one younger. Um, and my, her dad, my grandfather, didn't want her to go to school. He wanted her to stay and be like a secretary for unions. Um, so my my grandmother, her mom, was like, take the car, go, and don't come back until Thanksgiving. <laughs> Just so go to college. She was like, get Defy out. Defy your, your father's <laughs> wishes and go to college. Go. Yeah. And so she went and didn't come back <laughs> until Thanksgiving. Wow. Um, when he like maybe forgave her. Uh, but she met my dad there. Um, so they got their degrees. Then um, she went to Oberlin, I believe. And he went to the Ohio State University. You mean Ohio State University? <laughs> I, I feel like I would be doing a disservice if I did not emphasize the, the Ohio State University. <laughs> I'm not sure which team, which school I dislike more, Ohio State or um, Boston College or Michigan. Michigan. Oh, Michigan. My sister went yeah. to Michigan. There it is. Go blue. Yep. Yeah. My sister went to Michigan. Um, so he got his master's there, and then he went to um, Washington State and got his doctorate from Washington State. Um, and his advisor actually, when he got there, said, "I don't. Why do you want a PhD? You know, you're from New York." city the city he was like no one else has gotten as far as you have just go back and you'll be the king you don't need to work this hard to get a phd he's like okay why would anybody tell him that because he was a black male in the mm -hmm. 70s maybe the only black male in washington state back in the 70s potentially yeah <laughs> um so his his advisor also told him that anything he published from his dissertation that his name went first the advisor's name went first because he could pull that because bullshit. Because he could pull it. Yeah. So we, my, we just added the E to the uh, episode. Sorry, I just dropped bullshit. No worries. Bullshit. Wait, explain that one more time. His advisor could what? So his advisor said, any, so usually with a dissertation, you write the dissertation. Your advisor just advises, how, like, guides. This is great. This yeah. is good. Why mm -hmm. would you ever add this in there? Mm -hmm. That's mostly what they say. Um, just kidding. <laughs> Hopefully my advisor never hears this. Um, <laughs> But so they advise. And then when you publish from your dissertation, which is typically you go into academia, you publish from your dissertation, that gives you a leg up on tenure. And so when you publish from your dissertation, you did 95% of the work. Um, my advisor would argue that probably. Uh, <laughs> um, but you did most of the work. So you get first author, which is like, high praise mm -hmm. and then you're you can put your advisor on there but some advisors are like you did it like right. i was just your editor basically right like, you did it you do it but his advisor said that he had first billing like he was first author the advisor on, was first author yes on anything that he published that's so douchey does, doesn't make any sense no so my dad in response never published anything from his dissertation 
not one thing. But he still wrote the dissertation and defended it and, and got the degree. Got the degree and never published anything. He's like, that's fine. I'll write other stuff. And nice. And, and it hurt him. It hurt him. Yeah. Right. He started off farther back than everybody else because, you know, everybody just publishes from their dissertation and mm-hmm. they get ahead. So it did hurt him a little. But, I mean, the flip side of that is why I you didn't do anything for this. Yeah. And, in fact, I think his advisor lost his first co- – and this is in, like – so it's like a typewriter, right? Is that they they were typing on, um, and his advisor lost his he he took it whitewater rafting or something and lost the whole thing. So my mom had to type it up again because wow. my dad my dad didn't type. My dad was like a one person one like key one finger like he just he he, didn't. he hunts and packs. Uh, not even because it's only with one finger oh wow so he's just one finger like it's not even like two it's one oh man one bird not two hunts and packs that's great where'd you get that from that's so good my childhood everybody (laughs) said it when i was a kid i don't want to gloss over this uh why would you bring uh you know dissertations on on a whitewater rafting trip because he didn't care because the advisor was white and my dad was black and he didn't like he just didn't think that my dad belonged there and so my dad my dad was great and taught me a lot about like it doesn't really matter like that's fine they think what they want to think but if you have the passion to do it then you just keep doing it it doesn't really matter what they say Mm -hmm. um and you as long as you are strong in whatever you believe then you go after and you do it right um so he was just like that's fine and his advisor was like you know you have to hang out with um, your people, like your um, cohort. And he was like, I have two kids at home and I have to work because you guys aren't really giving me anything, but I got in, so I'm going to do this and see it through. Um, so he did. And so, um, so yeah, he didn't publish and he got, he went to the College of Worcester, Ohio, which is like very rural Ohio. We're not big in Ohio. Yeah, so you say whatever you want yeah. about Ohio. <laughs> Ohio is just, it's its very rural. And um, they, they knew they had to get out. In elementary school, I wrote a paper about, um, I don't know what, it was about, anyway, I had put in there that there could be like same-sex couples and, and, and um, heterosexual couples. And the teacher was like, oh, you can't put that because a family is a man, a wife, and kids. So I couldn't even put like that people don't have kids in there. So my mom was like, we, we're going to go. <laughs> we're going to go somewhere else. Um, yeah, Ohio was an interesting experience for me. That was the first time someone I learned about the KKK in Ohio. Um, it, we stayed until I was in sixth grade, I think. So like in elementary school, somebody said, "You oh, don't go downtown today. And I was like, why not? And they're like, oh, the KKK is marching don't go downtown. And I was like, what's that? I had no idea. Like, I had no idea. But mm-hmm. a kid, like a kid my age said, don't go downtown. I like you. Don't go downtown. Right. Um, so, yeah. So that was just an interesting experience. Well, tell the story when uh, your family was in a car accident. Yeah. So we were in a car accident in Ohio. Um, we were, my dad was driving. And you know how they have, like, yield and people can come on to, like, kind of a big highway, big-ish highway. Um, so the teenage driver didn't yield, just came and clipped the back of our car. So we ended up flipping, um, going off into a ditch, flipping and, um, police, ambulance, everything come 
and we were super close to a town in um, Ohio, Lodi. We were super close to Lodi. And they were like, all right, their injuries don't seem too bad. We got to go the next county over because we couldn't go to Lodi because Lodi was extremely racist and they wouldn't treat us. They, they, what, what year was this? Oh, Ish. late 80s, probably. So the, the who, who decided that? The people in the ambulance the were EMT. like... Yeah. Oh, the EMT. EMTs were like, yeah, no, we're going to take you to the next county over. You guys aren't too bad. So So if you've been critically injured, potentially they... Tr- Possibly, or they might have like life flighted us somewhere else if anyone was like critically injured. But it's it's crazy that that's even a consideration. Yeah, Lodi like Lodi wouldn't have treated us. So, um, yeah. I was out of high school in the late eighties. I mean, that's not that long ago. Mm-hmm. No, not that long ago. Yeah, and there are still pockets, I'm sure, in Ohio that are. Equally, I'm sure there's but... some wonderful people in Ohio as well. I'm sure my mom it lives in Cincinnati yeah, now, there so. It is. You know, there's at least one person. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah, I'm I'm sure, but yeah, that was that was an experience for us, and I think um, kind of at that point, my dad was like, okay, and my mom were both like, okay, we should get out of here. So they went, and uh, my dad got a job at Temple, and my mom got a job at Temple. So they taught at Temple for a while, um, and then went to. Um, Virginia Tech. So they taught at Virginia Tech for a while while I, me and my sister were both in college. Um, and then went to the University of Cincinnati. So um, my dad got his PhD uh, at Washington State. My mom got her master's. So And what, what did they study? Uh, my dad did sociology at Cortland and then black studies at Ohio State, the Ohio State. And then... Um, sociology at Washington State um, and my mom did oh she's gonna be mad because I don't know she's uh, gonna listen to this too I think so mm-hmm. uh, I think I think ooh, counseling oh wow you talk to your mom every day right I do almost every day it's, you talk to her so much that maybe you've forgotten some of the mm. more important facts thank you mm. yeah for that you filled yeah. your brain up with so much love <laughs> nice um, I, I would be interested if you know uh, what you're what your dad's dissertation was about? Oh, I think it was about, I think it was about tracking, like school tracking. So um, when you get to school, they basically put you in these columns. And if you misbehave, then you're in this. And if you're this, if you are a good kid, you go into this section. And it's hard for you to get out of those sections so if they like if you don't learn the like the exact way they want you to learn then you're put into this other category and then you can never get out of that other category so you're set off at a less you have more challenges getting through school mm-hmm. than you would if you, they just maybe thought about teaching you in a different way mm. which is ironic because those kids a lot of those kids need more attention and, uh, right. and different attention certainly. right yeah. and a lot of them are super smart and they just are bored and that's like a lot of where the the hyper activity the not paying attention come from mm-hmm. um when i was in first grade we had like a math sheet and so i did all the easy ones first because that helped me with the harder ones so i did the easy ones first and the teacher got mad and threw it away because i didn't go in order the way she wanted me to go um that's ocd it's like it's like it's like crazy but the the funny thing is is you know 
this was in Ohio and, and it's a black family and they call, they call my dad in to say like, I need to repeat first grade, I think, because I wasn't getting what the teacher was teaching. And so my dad came in and my dad is, was very soft-spoken, like not, I mean, he was very soft-spoken. He didn't really lose a temper. He was chill. Um, and the the principal was like, well, you know, like this study shows this, like trying to throw out studies to my dad. And so my dad would come back with like three different studies about how that study is disproven. So after like the second time, the principal was like, so, I mean, what do you want to do? You think you, she can go? Yeah, that's fine. She can go. Because he was in a hard place, right? Because the teacher was there too. And the teacher's saying like, I'm not good. I need to stay back. And the principal is also like, I don't, I can't tell this guy anything because he has all of these studies and all of this everything Mm -hmm. um and as my mom tells it she was just wanting to fight the teacher so so she's like so i wasn't really helpful but like you know he so yeah but they always had to fight so that also taught me because i also fight for malik because he's my son because he's the the same he is super smart but he can't focus energy right now he's five so of course he can't but like i feel like i have to make sure that he is not in the same boat as i was um which is weird yeah so it's almost like you were tracked oh yeah source early on oh yeah how much how much do you looking back how much do you believe like being a black woman or being a black person affected that oh a lot um a lot so i was in i don't do you guys have a pace program here like gifted and talented gifted and talented okay. yeah so we in ohio was called pace program so um so i was in the pace program and then um my fifth grade teacher she <laughs> she, she just disliked everyone in the pace program she just didn't like people like I don't know why some people are teachers. Yeah. <laughs> I, just I was going to say, huh? Don't understand. Um, because she was, she didn't like me at all. So anytime I gave her anything, she's like, this is wrong. Like, I correctly spelled Wednesday, which is a super hard word to spell, especially in fifth grade. And she said it was wrong because I didn't capitalize the W. Yeah. So, like, so I, she, so I never went to Pace again after her, after her. And, um, she was just a she was just an awful person, and I still deal with like the the stuff that she did today. Like, wow! Still, I have like I struggle with confidence. I struggle with like, um, with like make knowing that I'm right on something. Like I second guess. I probably some of my anxiety comes from her, like because she just every day it was a constant like why are you even in this program? You shouldn't be in this program. You should do this. You should do that. Oh, that's not good. This is bad. Like, it was never, nothing was ever positive about it. Um, And yeah, I think I still struggle with that today, which is why I'm like so crazy about my kids in school. Mm. Like, like, no, no, no. Like, I got to make sure the teacher is not mean to them at all. Um, you got to make sure the teacher don't, they don't have any like neuroses from being neglected as children themselves. That's that's what this woman sounds like. I mean, it sounds like, you know, mental or emotional abuse, basically. Yeah, she was, she was bad. Were you the only black kid in the program? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know that life. I think I was the only black person in Worcester, Ohio. That's not true, because there was a college there. But <laughs> Wow. There's two but, or three others. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was pretty, it was It was an eye-opening experience um, in Worcester. Um, 
the agricultural college or department for uh, Ohio State was there. OARDC is in the research and development part of, um, was in Worcester. So we used to gobble at the turkeys. But that's so when you gobble at turkeys, do they all start gobbling? Like yes, they gobble back. They get triggered. Oh, yeah. I love that. Oh, it's, it was amazing. You could stand on the other side of the fence and gobble at the turkeys, and they're all like, oh, "A friend." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would never do that. Oh, come on! It's because you went to UVA, Paul. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't do that either. You guys don't know what you're missing. Oh. Next time you see a field of turkeys, you should gobble. I just got the tech the tech reference. Yeah, there you go. Good work, oh. you guys. Yeah. Dang. Ed, Ed's the one who went there. Though. Yeah. I was thinking of this. <laughs> and implying it, for sure. I didn't get the tech reference. So have you spent most of your life being uh, the one of only a handful of black people in a, in a white world? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I chose gymnastics and rowing. which <laughs> uh, uh, As a white person, I would say uh, fairly white endeavors, yeah. Yeah, we, we don't have the best track record with boats either. No, yeah, no, we Ooh. don't. No, we don't. Yeah, at UMass. So I went to UMass Amherst for rowing. Well, not for rowing, but I went there and rowed. So there is like, I, like yes, yes, I have. So which is unfortunate because sometimes if I am in a group of of majority people of color, I do get a little uncomfortable. Like. Do I belong? I don't belong. Should yeah. I belong? Oh, that's awful. Am I here? I'm kind of curious what your experience was like being a, a token of sorts like that, just in a predominantly white classrooms and educational environments and probably in your town as well, yeah. and then how that affected your psyche, your upbringing, your identity as a black person. Is that too, that's kind of deep? Too deep? No, you're good, man. No. That's okay. great. All right. oh, oh. We're, I think we're going to go deeper. I think so. Yeah. Um, so... Rowing was unique because, yes, it's Massachusetts, and Massachusetts has its own set of challenges, I'll say. That's how I'll word it. Um, there, there, there's racism everywhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, Massachusetts does a great job at trying to cloak it mm-hmm. in progressiveness. Yeah. It's not as obvious. <laughs> it's the North. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. We're super progressive. Look at us. That um, actually may be worse in some ways, but yeah. Yes. Yes, I would agree. Uh, but on my team, they never made me feel like I wasn't a part of them, um, which I think made my college experience different because they were so welcoming. And even like now with everything going on, they're very open. Um, so I think that actually helped my college experience. Um, I... I remember I was in a class one time and this other uh, black woman was talking about her experiences and all of this stuff that had happened to her on campus and, and different things. And she's like, but you've experienced that too, right? And I'm like, I haven't. I was like, I don't really go there. I have practice. So so I don't actually go to like this place or that place. Like yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, mm. I don't go. Like, so, so for undergrad, especially it, I was, I want to say I was kind of sheltered from like that environment. Um, in grad school, I mean, you're kind of hanging out with like-minded people. So, yeah. um, but I, I think in after that, like I, I feel like it was like delayed. So like yeah. after after that is when I really started experiencing like 
oh, okay. Like, oh, I'm walking around a store and somebody's following me. Or like I'm in a, a boutique place and I pick up something and a, a sales rep appears next to me to say, I'll hold that at the counter for you. And I'm like, okay. But my friend will then, my friend looked and then picked up something who my friend doesn't look like me and didn't get anything, you know? So then we decided to leave. Nobody's ever asked me. Right. Mm-hmm. To take something to take right. for the counter. Yeah. And, you know, with my kids, they have, um, <laughs> I've been asked a few times, more times than um, I should have been, should never be asked, Who's, whose child is this or whose kid is this or, oh, who's the mom? The child hanging on my leg is my child. Like, I pick up the context clues. But yeah. because my kids don't look like me, they assume that they're not mine. Um, so I've gotten that a lot more. Um, and it's, it, at first, I just kind of like awkwardly laughed it off because I didn't know what to do. Um, more recently, I have at least said something. Um, maybe not challenged, but I've at least said something. Um, and my my neighbor would ask me stuff and I'd respond, you know, honestly, like, no, you should probably never say that to somebody again. Or, or you know, she was asking about what to say to her kid about um, what's going on in the environment now. And um, she's like, you know, I, I might be too young. And I was like, you're never too young. Mm-mm. I was like, look, I'm going to be honest. If I, if my kid is going to hang out with your kid I need to know that if something happens that he's going to do something about it. I'm like, I'm not saying like fight the person, but go tell, like he needs to be able to recognize it and say something. And you know, my kid may be able to recognize it, but may not be able to say something. So I need to make sure that who my kid hangs out with is going to protect him. Like I've said before, like I need to make sure if I'm walking down the street with you and somebody does something that you have my back. And if you, I've been, very clear about that recently of like if you don't then there's no space for you with me because i can't let my kids see that behavior yeah yeah i I think it may be obvious to our listeners but i don't think we said it your husband is white yes and i think it's fairly clear that you're black and they probably will see a picture of you on the on the episode so you're in an interracial marriage and and that has to introduce lots of uniqueness to your life because of that so Tell us about that. Lots of uniqueness, but also because my husband is from, like, (laughs) southwest Virginia. Like, 40 minutes from the North Carolina border. Yeah, Richmond may or may not be progressive feeling compared to that part of the state. Yes. Like, he is from, like, country. (laughs) What uh, what county? Uh, Grayson County. Next to Galax. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is like country. The first time he took me um, home to meet his parents, because we met at Tech, so he's like an hour and a half south of Tech, which I thought nothing was south of Tech. <laughs> like, I thought nothing <laughs> existed south of. Aren't you in Carolina an hour and a half south? No. Well, almost. Almost. Really You're close. like forty minutes from the border. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like real close to the border. Um, so the first time he took me to meet his parents, I was like, I'm dying. 
<laughs> like I may not make it back. He's taken me out here to kill me. Like that horror movie, yeah. It was it, like windy roads, and I get carsick. We actually had to stop on the way because I had to throw up because I got carsick on the windy roads and everything. Wow. Like it was bad. Um, so met his parents on the way back up to tech. We're going around a curve, and we see this huge, like you see smoke billowing, and you see kind of like a fire. And as we drive by, this guy is in no shirt, cut off denim shorts, has a beer in his hand, and is just staring at fire. So he's like throwing something. I don't know. So my husband, then boyfriend, but is like freaking out. Like, oh my, what is this guy doing? I don't understand. Who does that? Like freaking out for a good five minutes. He's like nonstop, like talking about this. And then he looks at me because I've not said anything. And he goes, why aren't you saying anything? And I was like, mm, I thought that was what happened. <laughs> I thought that was normal. <laughs> He's like, that is not normal. I'm like, mm, okay, I don't really believe you, but so 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 coming from that where, and then dating, and then it has its own set of challenges, right? Because um, it was terrifying meeting his parents and then his parents told me that they're the most progressive ones in their family so like his his the other his other family are not as progressive at all and um and so it was just like it 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 comes with its own we had a really good conversation uh about affirmative action because you know he came at it as a oh you know people don't have to work hard and they can get all this stuff given to them and i came at it from no no you're starting on the peak other people are starting on the ground they're just trying to get up there so they each so you have an equal shot to be seen right it's not it so we had a good conversation and this is you and your husband me and my husband and it's like it's good for us to we, we have a lot of conversations about, especially now, especially because we have a son, like he may not, he may not have my complexion, but he still, he still looks like me. Right. Um, so it, it's good to have these conversations and, and it can get a little intense and, you know, sometimes we have to walk away and then come back again. Mm-hmm. You and your husband should start a podcast. He would have to wait a few years, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I didn't say when. It, didn't, it, didn't have, it doesn't have to be in 2020. Yeah. But it's, not, it's, it's, it's really cool. And the really remarkable thing is that I think you guys are, you create a space, a healthy space where um, he can come forward and say, and say like an honest thought. Like, hey, you know, I think affirmative action is just helping people that uh, are lazy. And then you're like, no, no, no. Um, and, but you're not you're not taking the thought that he has and saying like, get out like we're done it's right. more of like hey let's work this out let's talk it's taken a while to get there <laughs> i so i react not react but i i answer quickly and uh he jokes that it's because i'm from the north but i answer quickly like if somebody, <laughs> i i can respond quickly he takes his time and for a while i thought he was like ignoring me so we would get into huge fights about him ignoring me and he's like, I just need a minute. Can you just give me a minute to we're, think we're, about the response? We're slower thinkers here. I was like, so. oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so after that, it, it and we were able to like talk about because 
before that conversation, if we tried to talk about that, it wouldn't mm-hmm. have gone well. Um, and, you know, there are some times where I'm like, oof, don't say that outside of this house. Right. So, they, but, but but he can say it inside your house because it's a, it's a house full of love yes. for each other and for your children. Yeah. And so those conversations are super powerful. So yeah. whenever he can talk about things. Right. I'm serious. 2026, you guys should start a podcast. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, um, yeah, he, he's, he's come a long way and my family really likes him, which is good. Um, and my extended family does too. So they'll talk to him about stuff as well. Um, and, and when my dad was alive, they talked about stuff a lot, um, and were able to, um, he was able to ask him some questions and you know my dad was able to ask him some like is my daughter walking down the street are you sure. going to protect my daughter right. um but also are you going to let her go if she if like if she's got it are you going to let her get it like are you going to let her mm. be free and answer and, and fight back if she needs to but be there for her and he's really good at that he's really good at kind of subtly asking like you're good. And if I say yes, then he's fine. If I'm not, then he'll jump go, in when go he to needs bat. to. Mm-hmm. Have you ever taken Ben to Chicago? Yeah. Tell us about so, the, the one trip I think you know I'm asking about. I did, I, I, did I tell you this about how I did it? Okay. So we were, so we were um, driving. Is this the one? Maybe not. Okay. You might have to remind me. But we were driving, and um, my sister lived in... At the time, my sister lived in this apartment, which was um, where the... Partially where the old Cabrini Green projects were. So they knocked them down and built up new apartments. And my um, sister's oldest was two, maybe. So we're driving, and there's a very certain way you get back to my sister's place. There are other ways you can go, but there's a very specific way you get back to my sister's place. And he didn't take that way. And he went not that way. (laughs) He went down another street and he's like, oh, I can just cut over. You know, it's like a grid. I can just cut over. I was like, I don't think that's a good idea. And he's like, no, I can, he's like, I'm driving. I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, I don't think that's a good idea. And he's like, I, he's like, it's right. I can just do this. I'll go down this street and I'll turn. We get on the street, this car is in front of us, and the car starts to slow down. And there are people on the street, on the sidewalk, and then I look behind us, and there's a car coming up behind us. And I was like, this is why I told you not to be on the street. And I, I truly think that having um, my sister's kid in the back, like, saved us, because then the car sped off in front of us, and then I was like, get out of here now. And he left. But, like, the, the type of disconnect there like he like uh, he didn't understand that like you can't just cut over sometimes <laughs> like yeah. there are some streets you don't go down and that was one of those streets that, that didn't happen down. in grayson county right did not happen in grayson county yeah i was talking about when you guys were on the south side and, and ben went with you <gasps> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my friend from chicago had um his birthday and uh he won he's from chicago south side and he was like, I want to go to this club. You know, it's my favorite club. We'll go. We'll hang out. I was like, yeah, let's go. Um, so we all, a big group of us go. Of the entire club, I think there were two white people in the club. And that was Ben and this other girl in our group. <laughs> no other white person in that club. And so we're going and it's the end of the night. Um, 
I am walking in front of Ben. I didn't hear it at the time, which also Ben, I think, made sure I didn't hear it at the time. But somebody said something pretty nasty to Ben. And Ben just kept walking like he didn't pretend like he didn't hear. I think that was his walking. only move. Only move. Yeah. yeah. In a, yes, only move. So he, wa- and as we get out to the lobby and meet up with the rest of our group, Ben tells them what the guy said. And I was like, where is he? I want to go back in there. And he's like, and that's why I didn't tell you. <laughs> like, because they're going to do nothing to you. But I'm going to die. So, but like it was, it was eye opening for him. Like, I think that might have, between that and, like, any outings with my family, he's never been in the minority. Like, he doesn't understand. Like, he he understands and he, he is aware of it, but he doesn't fully, he didn't get that feeling, right? But in that club, when that guy said something, he got that feeling of, I can say nothing mm-hmm. here because something's going to happen. And so we talk about that sometimes, like, that's how some people feel every day. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because it's situational for Ben when he's in that situation, and when he leaves that situation, he's still white. Right, yeah. right. But like for me, to your point, for me, every day at work, I have to. I'm like, let me make sure this is okay. Yeah. Let me make sure it's not too harsh. You know, I, I can't, I can't say too much to people. Um, you know, I have to be very aware. I tend to make people cry, so I have to be like. <laughs> Because the stereotype is the stereotype is that like if yeah. I'm if I'm upset with you then I'm an angry black woman and you cry to get out of it basically mm. um, so so yeah I have to temper everything I say yeah. all the time and um, and for that like one moment he understood <laughs> that um, but you know it's it's it it's good because my kids can see like see the dynamic and you know I do talk about some stuff with my son um he learned about Martin Luther King Jr. in school so we talked about legacy which also helped with what's going on now because I could bring it back and like this is still going on like Mm -hmm. we're still talking about this um you know my son was like well that's not fair they shouldn't not like him because of this but on the flip side you know a kid at school said to him that like brown people people with brown skin are troublemakers like they get in trouble and they're trying to take things away and like that kid's five he clearly heard that from right parents right but like me like mama me Mm -hmm. like flying to a rage but like trying to talk to my kid to like get more out of him i have to be like super nice and Mm. oh let's see oh what did they say or you know what were you talking about at the time and and you're boiling inside oh man at the end of it you're like okay mama's gonna go choke somebody (laughs) (laughs) or throat kick yeah i mean my daughter had to learn it from somewhere (laughs) yeah so i did talk to the teacher um and she was she's like we didn't we did not say that here we didn't i'm like i i need you to know what some of the kids are getting out of it. And I need you to know that I know and that this was said to my son and I need you to do something. It's a tough conversation, uh, especially with five-year-olds. It's tough. Right? It's a tough conversation. Um, yeah. How do you guys feel about the inflection point that was the you know pre and post George Floyd? Like in the months since then, um, have you felt any different around how things are going? 
It's funny you say this. Yeah, it's funny you say this because I I had a little flare up last night. Um, that it's great, George. Like like, it's good. We we are making some steps, but we're not getting to the heart of the problem, and that is what irritates me. So, like education, for example, like we're not looking at education. Like all of these schools knew in March that. We're probably not going back in the fall. They had a ton of time, even over the summer, a ton of time to do something really thoughtful. Like if they're going to do virtual, then offer something, offer like one-on-one or partner with, like there's so many things that they could have done or or give um, opportunities to partner with organizations that maybe can help do one-on-one teaching and, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Because they don't care, and that is yeah. what frustrates me. They're not the system doesn't motivate them. The system care. is not motivated, yeah. and and that's what frustrates me is that we can talk all of this about racial equality, but we're not getting to the heart of the problem, which are the disparities yeah. within institutions and the disparities within income and the disparities within living conditions, and and that is the part that that frustrates me, and that we are doing only surface level stuff. Yeah. And and we're reacting as a society that we don't we don't we're not thinking ahead. And I need a, like this is great for what it was in the moment, but now we need to take that next step. And the next step is all right. Let's see what other places there are disparities, and let's look at education. Let's look at jobs. Let's look at transportation. Let's look at healthcare. Like there are so many other places that now we need to focus that energy on that we are, I think it's getting lost in in the shuffle. Yep, wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, I, I look at police brutality. That's that's the tip of the iceberg. That's the lightning rod. That's what we're rallying around right now. But that is just it's it's symptomatic of a larger issue, a larger systemic issue. And I'm, I'm with Njeri in that it, it's great that we are addressing it. It's great that we are talking about it. But there's all these other pieces of the puzzle. And the heart of the issue is not really getting addressed. We, yeah, let's say we make some, uh, do some reform within policing. Great, cool. What about everything else? And it, it, it can get so easily lost, particularly, I think, because if there are gaps in education, it won't directly lead to a loss of life. And a loss of life is what has triggered a lot of the activity that's happening right now. But you are going to have wage gaps. You are going to have all sorts of other gaps in just one group of people treated one way, another group of tr- people treated another way. Oh, well, maybe we can curb some of the debt. Yeah, in that moment. Right. But those educational gaps and those housing gaps, they will lead to death. Maybe not today. Not as obvious, yeah. 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 But, but eventually they will. Right. I mean, when we talk about mass shooters right if if the if the mass shooter is white oh look at the mental illness oh look at the like look at the family background to explain away why they yeah. did it and then even george floyd right oh look oh he had a criminal history so if he didn't have a criminal history none of this would have happened no it just would have happened on a different day yeah. like or a different person yeah. right the like so the the way that we describe people and even with police brutality they have to learn it from somewhere. Like they have to, like where do they learn that they should judge people of color a certain way and yep. whites and, and people non-color a, a different way, right? Like yep. they have to learn it from somewhere and it's just so ingrained 
and even in, in everybody, right? Everybody has has some type of, of prejudgment, has has something. And and to not acknowledge that and then own it and then work towards getting rid of it. It it just, it's never going to do anything. Like everything that we're doing is not going to get anywhere if we don't understand the, the base, right? If we don't, if we don't understand the, where all of this is coming from and work to correct it. Like in Chicago, there is some, there's a police station that's like a mile away from, from a neighborhood and it takes them 30 minutes to get there. Like that, like You know, that shouldn't happen, but it does. And the worst part about it is, is that it's expected. And that's the part that, that frustrates me that, that a lot of times it's like, well, that's expected. Yeah. Like me not being surprised by that is like the problem, like the the Chicago thing. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, and so uh, like, it's good to get the conversation started. And I think George Floyd and the protest got more people who were against it but silent to speak and i and that is good but now we need to go to the next level like now you're speaking now let's act so and i'm not saying go out on the street and protest every night but i am saying like act like figure out who your politicians are that are making all of these policies and do you agree with them no then you have a voice work on getting your voice heard by others who can get that person out and someone in who will further along the the message that you want um but like there's so many different ways to act right my hairdresser um each week she donates a a percentage of her proceeds to different black local black organizations and like little things like that you can do um write write to your school board and you know um i think our county is the only county that doesn't elect their school board. Like they're appointed by the board of supervisors. I'm embarrassed to say I have no idea. <laughs> I know that we we appoint. We don't elect our school board. The the board of supervisors appoints. So like even that. Like why are we appointing people? They should be elected because yep. they're 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 speaking on behalf of people. Anybody that's speaking on behalf of people need to be elected. I think the Board of Supervisors is elected. Board of Supervisors is elected. The, the, school, the board school board is appointed. Appointed yeah. by the Board of Supervisors. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I there, think that... There's no way to transition. I, we got to ask the question we always ask, but uh, we don't want to leave that, so go ahead. Okay, yeah, I guess the last thing, you know, I th- there's been a lot of... Uh, I felt a lot of pressure coming from, like, the media and from uh, social media to be like, get loud, talk, speak up, speak up, speak up. But I'm just like not the most um, outspoken or confrontational guy, especially with my opinions, because I don't want to like hurt anything. But all all that is to say is if you have, um, if you're silent, but you have an opinion and you're you're a non-confrontational person, there's so much that you can do without um, wearing a big sign on your chest or wearing a shirt. You can vote and nobody has the right to know who you vote for. You can donate. You can donate without telling anybody. Like there's, you can being, volunteer. Yeah, being political does not mean throwing yourself into the public eye for the whole country to look at and be right. like that. It's it's more of a you know being political and being private um, are very much um, they can coexist. Yeah, yeah. Look, 
the movement needs people who are loud and and get noticed but the movement also needs people who are silently working in the background to to get change and affect change and by silent i mean not getting out there not just staying silent but like voting Mm -hmm. making sure that your neighbors get out and vote making sure that if people need rides you get well now and COVID time, maybe not rides, but (laughs) but making sure that they are able, that people are able to get out and vote, making sure that you really pay attention to the candidates, not just red or blue. You you need to pay attention to what they are, what they have, and what they are supportive of, Mm -hmm. and and think about it that way. Um, But you're absolutely right. Like there are there are many different legs to a movement and all of them are important yeah so the we're, we're talking about surface level things and we're not really getting to the heart or the core i think our country will at some point and i hope it happens in my lifetime where we get to a core understanding what, what's the primary point of emphasis is it political is it cultural is it legal uh, i like it just seems like an awfully big question the answer is yes. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. 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 And yeah. but I think it starts with education, right? Like getting getting equality in education allows people who you may have the next Thurgood Marshall in a school, but because they can't get that opportunity, they will never reach the potential that they could have. And so getting that educational equality allows people to become what they what they want to be what they can strive to be it's no longer like i came from this school i'm never going to get into um uba uh but (laughs) yeah you know but i can't like like but but leveling the playing field of education and making it available for everyone allows allows that opportunity for people who who may not have or even see themselves as having that opportunity, an opportunity to succeed and thrive and, and see what they're really made of. Um, so I, 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 I come from a family of education, but like I'm big on, on education is key and we all need adequate access to good education. I, I agree 100%. I, I also come from a family of educators. I was an educator myself. But, I mean, think about it. If if we truly address education, we will by default address some of the others. And so in order to make education equitable, we're also going to have to address things like housing and access and those types of pieces to the puzzle where we may not directly address them. But if we are truly going to make education equitable, by default, we will have to address those. And in the right. long run, they will get better because the education is better as well. Yeah, no, right. I've, I've heard that uh, most of a, of a child's outcomes with regard to school depend on actually um, their like what goes on outside of school their home life and their community uh, I think a lot of pressure is put on teachers to and, and a lot of blame is put on them when kids don't turn out well but it's also the community and and the home life from which they come and I think that this is one of the reasons that I love uh, Andrew Yang I don't know if you guys have heard of him but he mm-hmm. advocates this UBI universal basic income basically tax technology which automates itself uh, and then give everyone a thousand dollars a month so that um, basically people can, uh, a, a kid that's going to school doesn't have to worry about where his dinner is coming from, you know, or whether his family's going to have to 
move because they can't pay rent. You know, like really basic stuff. Like you're saying, get this, get the nutrition and get the home, the the home stability in line before you uh, work on the education. Uh, or, or I guess I like those are required prerequisites yep. for the education. Definitely, and I mean you hit the nail on the head. As an educator, I, when I was teaching kids, I taught high school. I get the kids for ninety minutes. That ninety minutes in a day is not going to. It's barely a drop in the bucket compared to the rest of their day and yeah. where they're going home. And again, having to think about things like, all right, what am I going to eat tonight? If if you're sitting there hungry, it's going to be really difficult to to understand these mathematical concepts that I'm trying to teach. You're not going to learn it. Not right. at all. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very powerful conversation, Jerry. I'm glad you joined us tonight. Um, you were a bit nervous coming in, but you did not come across as nervous. You tonight. crushed so, it. Thank you yeah. so much. You did so well. We can't leave. This is, this is a super awkward transition, but we have to ask our standard question. And it, Hit you, it. you have another question that you want to ask, yeah. too, I think. Yeah, let's squeeze them in. We can do them quick. All right, so comedy. Do you know this question? Com- comedy or military? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do military. Woo. All right. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. For a little while, I was flirting with joining the Air Force. Oh, wow. Okay. That's badass. Why Air Force? I really wanted to fly the planes. You can still fly planes. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I was having trouble seeing the microphone, so I don't know if I can fly the you planes. Don't have to, you don't have to do it for the military. You can just go uh, yeah. learn how to fly a Cessna. Uh, yeah. That's very cool. I, I honestly probably would have picked comedy uh, based on how much I know about you. So that's interesting. I, and Ed, you were comedy, right? I was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I like comedy. You, you, yeah, you, you enjoy yeah. a funny person. I do. Sure. I do. So the question I like to ask, and, and you guys don't have to answer this one, uh, is what, what is a habit that you've enacted in your life that you think has made a meaningful difference? Uh, I go to Orange Theory. What's well, so Orange Theory is? It's a it's like a gym ish, um, but it has like torture that as well. <laughs> okay. um, but it has like three different places. And the reason I chose it is because of rowing. Um, they one of the stations they have is a rowing machine, so I can rock a rowing machine. Nice, um, yeah. And so that always gives me confidence. So it has a rowing machine, weight floor, and a treadmill. And you do different exercises every day. Like every day is a new exercise. Mm. Um, so I go four times a week, I think. Really um, early too, right? Very early, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, what over the year, I've lost like 50 plus pounds. Whoa. Wow. So Congratulations. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Beast mode. Even yeah. through COVID. Yeah. Even through COVID. Like it might have gained like a pound. Yeah. <laughs> well, everything got shut down. So yeah, know. so it got shut down. L- last little funny story. Ed and Jerry and I work at the same place, and Jerry comes into the office these days, three days a week. I'm there three or four days a week. Ed comes in three or four days a week, and I was with Jerry when somebody else went into the camera room, and Jerry said, "Are these security <laughs> cameras taping?" And I'm like, I-, "I I don't know. Why are you asking?" Because I do burpees in the office when I'm here early by myself. I was doing a challenge with my sister and my mom and my, um, uh, my sister's friend. And I had to do burpees. So I did. And then I didn't realize there was a camera right there. So when he said, wave, look over. I was like, oh, man. It's like, if these are recorded, somebody. We still don't know. Going to have a fun time. No, yeah. we still don't know. Somebody's probably enjoying themselves. Yeah. Yeah. 
Very cool. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, it was fun. Terry. Yeah, we're like 10 minutes apart. Yeah. We're not quite neighbors, but we're not that far away. Yeah. Yeah, so it's awesome you came. Yeah. And thanks for joining us as well. Thanks for having me back. Check out episode 12. You're going to be like episode 39, 40, I think. We'll see how that Jerry. ages. Yeah. Yep. Thank you and Jerry. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was so cool. And Ed, it was fun. coming on. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to subscribe through whichever app you're using. To share your thoughts, head over to our website at podso1.io, and there you can comment on episodes or send us feedback directly. Thanks for listening.